Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of At The Buzzer, a Rattler Sports Podcast. For this episode, we add on Vaughn Pesmal, sharpshooter for the San Miguel Beermen and former player for the Ateneo Blue Eagles. Vaughn came on to discuss his time at the PBA bubble in Clark and relive some of his memories while playing in the UAAP. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll catch you at the buzzer. Okay, welcome guys to another episode of At The Buzzer, a Raptor Sports Podcast. I'm Naveen Ganglani, your host for today. And we are joined by Vaughn Pesmal, San Miguel Beerman sharpshooter, former Ateneo Blue Eagle. Vaughn just came back to real life after living in a bubble for more than a month. Uh, I guess, Vaughn, that's my first question for you. Is it a little weird to be back in the normal world after you and your teammates and the whole league, you guys were just like, placed in this one area and like told you're not allowed to leave and you're going to play ball just how's it like being back in the normal world uh i'll be honest with you it feels really weird to be back the fact that i can just go anywhere now right. i need to pick up something from the grocery i can go uh, you know I, I need to want to drive around i can go out it feels kind of weird but same time it's refreshing it was a good time in the bubble definitely because got, basketball was taken away from us so be able to play but it definitely feels good to be back in the normal world right right so you were in the bubble for about six weeks right yeah around that ball figure yeah all right six weeks is a long time (laughs) (laughs) so but what was life like in there because obviously you guys would train you guys would have the games you guys would have the lounges to like play pool and hang out you guys even had an Ateneo reunion i saw pictures of that yeah but what was life like, you know, like, and I'm talking more about the little moments along the way, you know, those mm-hmm. chill times when you guys aren't really doing, aren't really doing anything. Is it more of conversations with teammates about life and whatnot? What's it like? We lost kind of track of time and days in the bubble because, you know, every day was kind of the same. There was a time for practice. There was a time to go for the gym. There was yeah. a time if you had a game, you know, there was time to, the bus would leave at this time, come back at this time, then. We have dinner time, breakfast time, lunch time. So there's a lot of like dead time in between, but we kind of filled it up by just going to each other's rooms. And for, for the most part, we were in the same kind of wing area. So yeah. our rooms were kind of next to each other. So, you know, we'd go to someone's room and hang out or we'd sometimes we'd play uh, video games or we would watch movies or right. just, just, you know, just kind of fill time and then wait for the next day to happen. And then, you know, you know how it is. I imagine those are a lot of like card games and NBA 2K matches. Yeah. And I'm sure like some money was involved there, right? <laughs> we had like a uh, NBA 2K tournament in our in our room. So nice. there was around like six, seven guys. And we like drafted our own rosters. And oh, wow. Kinda, yeah. yeah, we just, we, we were just so bored, man. So we were just doing that. that we, yeah, you're right about the card games. We played card games. Some rooms had, you know, some, some things going on. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. How much was the pot for the NBA 2K tournament? You know what? We decided not to put money into it. Uh, because Yeah, because you wanted just to play for fun and for like just for the pride, you know, just just kind of like, uh, oh, <laughs> I want this, you know, it, it, when, it, when money's involved, it's always, you know, kind of, it becomes more serious. Right. So, and, you know, it's a video game, so you don't yeah. really want to make it too serious. Yeah. So where did you play? Did you win first overall? We had a couple of seasons. First okay. season, I think Louis Vigil won. Yeah. And then second season, I won. Nice. Third season, it got cut because we, we didn't expect to, 
to lose, so <laughs> uh, we had we had to stop the season. So we're it's all it's actually mid season there, so we had to stop it. I'm not surprised you and Louis won the tournaments because you guys are some of the younger ones in the yeah. team, and you guys have probably been playing video games 2K more uh, sure. than some of your older teammates. But that's that's nice. How scary was it? Because okay, I'm gonna give you the perspective from us outside the bubble, right? So. The PBA bubble, it starts entertaining. You know, we haven't had sports locally for months. And then the bubble comes back. It's exciting. It's something to look forward to every day. And then almost out of nowhere, you hear the news that a referee is positive or a player in Blackwater is positive. Then it turns out it's false positive and thankfully at that, right? But for you guys living inside the bubble knowing that you're close in proximity to maybe someone who might be positive, was it a little scary? Was there kind of that fear factor and, wow, the bubble might actually end? Definitely, man. 100%. We were very scared. Our families were texting us, calling us the whole time. Mm -hmm. Because you're right, outside looking in, it doesn't, you know, without little information, it's kind of hard to understand what's happening. And for, for us in the bubble, um, well, for me personally, I was, of course, worried. You know, uh, we don't know anything about this virus until now, right? It's been a year, almost a year already, and then we still don't know much about it. So I, I was worried, but thankfully, uh, the PBA actually, I would like to say they did a great, great job in kind of letting us know what was going on. Even the, the hotel, the, hotel, the Quest Hotel, the management, you know, was, they were very accommodating to what we needed to do. So, yeah, th- there was a fear factor for sure, but I'm just happy that uh, the test came back false positive. When it first came out, mm. I thought we were going to go home in three days or something like that. Thankfully, not to the bubble and nothing. No one got uh, no one got seriously sick or anything like that. So I'm just happy that it's, it's still going on until now and people are actually doing a lot of things, making a lot of effort to make sure everyone's healthy and safe. Right. Would you say that some people in the bubble, especially because you're probably like almost a month into it at this point and everyone's missing their families, their friends and just missing like everyday life. Would you say that some players might have welcomed the prospect of leaving the bubble early, even if it meant the conference getting canceled because mentally it might have taken a toll? On our team, I don't think I've experienced anybody want to go home to, to cut up because I mean, if you're, your one foot is in the door already. You agreed. I mean, you could have, we could have, one of our players could have said, uh, they didn't want to go to the bubble in the first place, which happened with my, my teammate, Matt, Matt Ringwell's roster, but he opted out, out of the bubble. And if I feel like the, the players who opted in, if you have, again, one foot in the door already, it's might as well just keep going, right? And see where this goes. So personally, I wasn't worried for any of my teammates to leave because of the fear of what happened, of what happened. And I think everybody was, wanted to play through and you know we actually me personally I, I love playing basketball again where if I go back to Manila I can't play I'm gonna be shooting by myself again so right the, you know I was I was committed to seeing it through until whatever wherever you, how far we went right so when you get to the bubble and you attend the practice was that the first time you had played 5 on 5 since the pandemic started yeah yeah it was it felt a little weird, to be honest, just to play with pass the ball around and defend and right because where I live I can shoot but I can shoot just by myself. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes you know I'll have my fiance rebound for me but how <laughs> I mean I don't really, I don't want her to you know if I shoot I shoot for like an hour so I don't right. want her to, to yeah. rebound for an hour right so it's it was so it was a little I got caught off guard a little bit in the first couple of practices but you know if you do something in your life you know it takes a while then it's oh it's I'm back to this again and you know I oh I know this I know that I can do this so it was yeah. cool uh, to be able to do that again. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too. You guys came in as defending champions, but there was all this uh, obstacles along the way. So you enter without Junmar. You know you're not going to be with him for the whole bubble. You have to defend your championship without the MVP. I believe Alex got hurt a few games into the tournament, and then also Terrence gets hurt. So I'm interested what was going through your mind because I can imagine you feeling okay it might be a little more difficult to come back now as champions because we don't have june more ready we lost alex and terence who are two very important players in the team but at the same time you get the opportunity to kind of show what you have and kind of ex elevate from just that bench role that you had been playing the last few seasons so that whole experience what was it like for you as an individual player First of all, man, without June Mar, it's hard on the court, definitely. But off the court, he's our, he's my guy, man. That's all. <laughs> everybody loves June Mar. He's just you know every no matter win or lose, uh, bad game, good game, he'll always try to make fun of uh, make fun of everything, make you laugh. So that was big for us as a team, as a culture, right? So yeah. And then two games in, we lose our previous Finals MVP in Terrence Romeo. So mm-hmm. that kind of you know, and we lost him to a to an injury that just like that, you know, it, it wasn't a, it, it was like a like freak a incident. Yeah. yeah. It was just, yeah, you're correct. We lost Terrence to a freak injury in the second game of the season uh, in the, in the bubble actually. So uh, that in itself kind of set the tone for us. I mean, like at the same time we were so, we, we were heartbroken for Terrence because Terrence came in crazy shape. He was so dedicated. He, he was at the gym every day. He would be staying late after practice to get shots up. When we were preparing for the bubble, he was the one who wanted to stay longer to shoot. He would be, you know, just just trying to get as much work done as possible. So we knew he, we were heartbroken for him because he wanted to win so badly, and we lost him in in two games in the bubble. So when that happened, we kind of got together and just said, you know, hey, we have no choice. This is who we have. These are the guys we have, and we still have a lot of good guys. People mm-hmm. always think that we're shorthanded, but we have Firas, Alex, Marshall, Arwen, and Mo. I mean, that's a five I would take to battle any day right. against any team, right? So, and as for me, you know, I, I don't do anything special, I think. I just try to simplify my role in the team, you know, come off the bench, make make open shots, play defense, make the right pass when I need to. Nothing changes for me. If I'm in the starting five or I'm off the bench, I just try to play the same way I've been playing for all my life. So I'm just thankful uh, that I got the opportunity to play. Coach gave me a good, uh, good opportunity to show what I can do, and I wish it could. I wish we could have uh, come out, came out on top. But you know, we can't win them all, uh, and we can just kind of rest now and prepare for next year. You had some games where you really, you know, stood out during the bubble, especially with your shooting. And obviously, losing Terrence, losing Alex, uh, you can't really make up for that. Not one player can make up for that. But once those guys went down, especially Terrence, it was immediately clear that Vaughn would have to step up. Vaughn would have to take a larger role. And 
knowing Coach Leo and knowing some of the veterans in the team, I'm sure they had some words of encouragement or some advice to pass on to you. Can you just share some of the stuff that they told you once they knew and you knew that you would have to even take a larger role? You know, that's a good question, bro. The thing is, uh, I've, this is my fourth year with the team already. And I've, I've been through battles with these guys already. So actually, no one really kind of said anything to me because I think I've been there already with them through the battles. You know, last con- last year, Marshall got hurt and I had to come in. And that's when they really started talking to me. But, you know, after those kinds of things, no one really like sat down and talked to me. They just, you know, gave me, hey, just keep shooting. Same, you know, same things that they would say to me. I think one one thing Coach Leo was, you know, concerned, of course, that when when some of the guys got hurt of his, of his depth, you know, and, you know, he would just occasionally just try to talk to me and just make sure I was in a good good spirit. And thankfully, um, he, he trusted me for with the role that he given me. And uh, my teammates always, you know, they, they trust everyone in our team, no matter if you're the 15th guy or the, you're the guy coming off the bench. So I have nothing to say with my teammates. They all try to encourage me no matter if I'm playing or not, if I'm shooting well or I'm shooting not, I'm not playing well. So it's just all the same for me. You know, the the Meralco matchup over the years, Meralco has played you guys really well. You know, even with June Mar, even when you guys are healthy. I mean, you've always had the better of them, especially in the Philippine Cup. But this time, I guess it was a little too much to overcome all the challenges along the way. And also, Meralco is a deeper team with Almazan and Reynolds still playing great and all those guys. You all had a twice-to-beat advantage, though, e- although it did end up both in a way that Meralco kind of, I wouldn't say dominated you guys, but really outplayed you guys. Just from your perspective, what went wrong in that Meralco series? Was it fatigue? Was it lack of depth? Was it that the bolts were just too good? Like, what happened there? First of all, Meralco deserved to win that series. They played really hard. They prepared for us really well. Some of the some of the guys there stepped up, like uh, my former teammate Aaron Black. He played really well. Chris Newsom's always solid. And as he said, you know they're deeper now. They have Raniel is what he's forty something, but he's playing like he's twenty five. So yeah, he's like Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's he and he I see him at the gym every morning. Credit to the coaching staff, their coaching staff for preparing well for us. They they knew our sets. They knew what we were going to do. So. I think with with our team, I really can't give excuses for our team. You could tell me that we lost our three of five, three of the five starting five players, but we will still compete till the very end. So I think it's more about Morocco playing playing well. We lost a lot of key guys that we weren't we had to fill in minutes for them and everything else. So right. I think at the end of the day, I'm still proud of what we did in the bubble. You know, it's we play back to back games every other day. It's not easy, and the fact that we we fought till the end, I'm I'm still I'm just proud of my team. Right. Another question I I feel like I have to ask is that after you guys were out, Coach Leo mentioned that men, mentioned two important things. One was the prospect of San Miguel as a team getting younger and installing maybe some youth because the core pieces got older and it looks like the wear and tear kind of affected you guys. But also, second, he mentioned that the rest of the PBA is catching up in terms of a talent perspective to the beer men. Just what are your thoughts and two cents with the whole thing? Do you feel that some youth and some young guys on the roster might be helpful as you all try to regain your championship whenever the next conference resumes? Uh, good question. 
first of all, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, I'm just a player here. I don't have any say in anything. So, second of all, I think whatever direction this team takes, uh, it's always for the best of the team. And I don't think I actually think we have all the young pieces in this team already. We we just lost two of our main guys, uh, June Mar and Terrence. And lastly, I would like the older guys on our team. Yeah, maybe on paper they they appear old, but if you if you're with them every day, the work they put in to be in shape to get in the shape that they are now, and uh, the 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 kind of uh, sacrifice they make for their bodies and they're on paper they're they're old but if if you're with them they they feel young these guys are pr- true pros i don't think that age should be a limiting factor in their performance i still think we should run it back you know but that's up to me i'm biased i love my teammates so i want i always want to keep going and uh the changes that might might be happening i don't know what what's going to happen in the future but whatever happens i i would still love to play with the same team that just competed in the bubble Norman Black and you, there's a relationship there. He was your coach for five years at Ateneo, and I'm sure he had been watching you even before you entered the college ranks. What is it about the way Norman Black coaches and prepares for games that made him such a great coach in the UAAP and also a great coach in the PBA to the point that in this latest conference, the bubble, he was able to lead Meralco past you guys? in the quarterfinals. He's just one of those coaches that will sit down and watch film for hours and hours and hours and will sacrifice sleep if he needs to to just keep watching and see what see what will work for his team and I really felt that in our series and credit to him, credit to his coaching staff. I'm sure everybody helped out. That's that's how our coaching staff works also. I I just feel like some a lot of the external factors that were happening with our team with the injuries kind of caught up with us but Credit to both coaching staffs, ours and Meralco's. It was a good series to be in, to to be part of, and I'm glad that we we got to see good uh, good coaching adjustments in both games. And mm-hmm. that's all you can need to ask for if you're a fan, right? Right. Yeah. Were there some plays or decisions that Meralco made during the series against you guys that caught you Beerman kind of by surprise? Well, they made a lot of little things that they that kind of threw us off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially from just how we we played them in the first game of the of regular season of the bubble to the series, you know, they started zoning the post with when Mo got the ball. I think that was pretty smart. You know, Mo got Mo Mo had a good game in the regular season, and every time he got the ball, they dropped to a two-three zone instead of out there doubling the doubling Mo. So, kind of threw us off a little bit. But we prepared well for it in the second game, but. They kind of, you know, knew that we were going to prepare for it. Then they prepared for something else. So it was a lot of that happening. And uh, at the end of the day, man, coaching was great at both ends. I just think that we lacked the firepower that we were we normally have. Mm-hmm. For you, do you think you improved as a player after this bubble experience? Me, oh, personally, definitely. Um, I think it just made me uh, mentally stronger, just because you know. Usually after games, I like to go home uh, to to my to my house, kick back, watch a movie, spend time with my fiance, with my with my with my with my dogs, have that support group around me all the time, no matter what happens, right? But in the bubble, you come home and you're all you're thinking about is the game, right? What mistake? Like, oh, I should have passed the ball here. I should have shot it a little stronger. I should have, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that are going through your mind, right? So those little moments, uh, yeah, 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 and you know if. 
if you're a pro, all you think about is after basketball. You all all you want to think about is not basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to get on unload, right? So it was kind of hard to do that in the bubble, but that kind of made me stronger. I think For individually, I think I was able to uh, kind of understand like what what things more the more things that I can do on the court. I try to show what I can do more. Uh, and it's not spot up in shooting because without June Mar, of course, you can't. There's not a lot of catch and shoot opportunities uh, wide open for me. So I had to put the ball on the floor a lot more. Try to make plays off the dribble. So I think I I kind of improved from this bubble, and I'm gonna take bring them carry the momentum I gained this this bubble to next season. That's awesome. So. Tell me more about the reunion, the Ateneo reunion that happened at the hotel. Because, you know, when I first heard about it, uh, my first instinct was, oh, yeah, they probably sit around and talk about all the championships they win. <laughs> But just tell me, like, what happened there? What were the memories brought up? What was the discussion like? You know, it was actually just a very quick reunion uh, because of the, you know, you can't really uh, spend too much time in one place in the bubble just, just because... Everyone's with their respective teams, but it was just we have there's a vi- people just texted in their Viber group. We have different Viber groups for different generations, right? Of course, uh, my team, my my generation has their own Viber. So kind of the word kind of spread around like, hey, there's gonna be a reunion at this time. So right, we kind of just got together. I found out that the coaches were were kind of like egging on Coach Norman to feed us ice cream. So <laughs> so kind of like. You know all that, all that kind of that stuff happening. So yeah, uh, it was quick, man. It was probably I would say 30 minutes, maybe 30, 40 minutes, standing around, talking to the guys. You know, it's just uh, kind of good to see some of my old teammates, and even if we play for rival teams, other teams, still good to see some school spirit in, in the bubble, um, especially in competition, the heat of competition. You're gonna play this guy the next day, or you just played him that day, and then yeah. you see him. It's kind of you know, kind of off-putting a little bit, but I guess it it was was cool seeing them and just knowing that Atenea spirit is still going on. Right. Yeah. Do you ever get compliments from like past teammates or even your former coach, either that's Norman Black or maybe even Coach Sandy, saying something like, "Oh, you know, Vaughn, you've improved compared to where you were in college or high school." And if you do, what's that feeling like? I get that all the time. It goes twofold, you know. And I see, like, uh, for for instance, I see Aaron playing well. You know, I sh- I shot him a message, hey, Aaron, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Keep keep playing well. You know, at the same time, some coaches will text me randomly after a good game. They'll say congrats, or after a bad game, they'll they'll, they'll give me words of encouragement. It just goes, you know. It just just shows that basketball is such a small world. You know, it's you can't really get caught up in in oh he plays for this team, so I can't talk to him. You know, it's right. Not, There's, there's been a relationship uh, before that, right? So that kind of stays on no matter what. I think that's the beauty of uh, playing basketball, especially in the Philippines. Right. It's a small, small knit world, you know. I'm sure you know this as being part of the sports world, right? Right. Yeah. You, you, you know, to somebody you used to work with is now the guy you're gonna work with again. Like yeah. Something, something like that. So it's all love, especially since we. Uh, the guys that I've been in school with, so it's cool. It's almost like a fraternity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm gonna share a story here. Like a lot of the people who know you now for being a hooper, uh, they came to realize, if not when you entered the PBA when you were with San Miguel, they might have watched you first at Ateneo, most likely in college, if not in college, maybe in high school, especially the diehard Eagles fans. I knew how good you were at basketball at a young age, though, because 
you and I joined uh, the FIBL one time. It was yeah. an FIBL Junior League. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the FIBL is the Filipino Filipino Indian Basketball League. Vaughn is half Indian, half Filipino. Uh, and there was it was a juniors game. I think you were about 13 at that time, same age as I was. And like I think I was guarding you a few plays, even though of those tournaments. And it was at that time I realized you were gonna go to the PBA and I was probably gonna write about the PBA. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but what I'm trying to say is um I knew how good you were at a young age because you were always so talented. And that must have been hard for you knowing that you had all these skills and all this potential and the capacity to be, you know, a contributor to a team. But you had to wait really till your third or fourth year in college till you got the minutes to show what you were capable of as a Blue Eagle. Nowadays, you don't really see that, right? You know, a lot of recruits, if in their first or second year, they don't get a lot of minutes, they don't get a lot of playing time. They think about transferring, going to another school, maybe going to a coach who will promise them more minutes. And the days of players sitting out the first one or two, maybe even three years, and then getting that time to shine in their senior years, that doesn't happen so often anymore. You know, I'll never forget Raba Al Husseini. His first years in Ateneo, he's not, he doesn't really you know, shine. And then his last two years, he becomes his MVP caliber player. Yeah. Just as someone who went through that journey, how difficult is it to really be patient, to practice every day, five, six times a week, not really get a lot of minutes in the game, and kind of just rely on this promise or this possibility that maybe as you get older, you'll finally get to play? Yeah, first of all, good point. And FIBL was a fun tournament. I hope it comes back soon so other other kids can play there, right? So Yeah, right. But yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's something that um, is very rare these days. You're right. To be to wait your time and kind of stay wait in the wings for your for your moment, uh, in the, in, especially in college. Uh, right now, I, I kids want to play right away, right? First year, second year, and rightfully so. If they're talented, they should play right away, right? Mm-hmm. But um, as for me, I knew coming in that Ateneo would be loaded. You know, I got offers from other schools to play right away. Oh, what schools? Uh, I need so to know. UP, San Beda. Some other schools, but those are the two I was really considering. Okay. Chance because they, they 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 promised me a role to play right away. Right. And I had to weigh whether I wanted to stay in Ateneo. And you know, I've been in Ateneo my whole life, so I really wanted to stay in Ateneo. But I understood that when Coach Norman uh recruited me to be in Ateneo, he told me that it would take a while for me to get to really play a lot of minutes. And I knew that coming in. And uh, I kind of saw the bigger picture with it and I have a good support group with my family and you know my friends and some some good uh some good uh, family friends that helped a lot in the in the process. I talked to my my dad a lot about this, my mom, and I think uh, I saw the bigger picture and I, I knew that even if I played in, stayed in Ateneo, I'd have a bigger avenue to show my talents when I had the chance. Um, you know, because Ateneo, I've always wanted to play for winning a winning uh team, and mm-hmm. Ateneo at the time just came off three championships two, I don't know how many championships left so yeah I knew that I would have a bigger avenue to show my talents um if I was playing in a winning environment because I'm not the I'm not the type of player who will score 25 a game or mm-hmm. 20 a game I'm the type of player who will make a good pass make a good rebound and it's going to be that's going to be a winning play for us you know so right. I knew I knew that coming in and 
the first two years at Ateneo were really difficult for me because, you know, as a competitor, I always want to play. You know, right. I always want to show. But hindsight is twenty twenty. But looking back, I think whatever happened to me in those two years because I got to watch the game from the bench and see how I could improve. And that's when I realized that outside shooting is the, the number one key to being a, being a good winning player. Right. If I can make if I can make open shots, if I can make open shots consistently, I will be in a winning team at one point in my life. So that those two years, I was at the gym four or five Just hours working, a day, right. yeah. working on my jump shot. I had a, I you know me in 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 uh in when I was younger, we played against each other. Yeah. I I didn't I couldn't shoot as well as I do now. Yeah, I you were a slasher, yeah. Were, yeah. were you ever close to like transferring or was winning championships too fun? <laughs> I, I we just the high school team just came off a three peat. That was my third championship in high school. Right. I was three for three. So I was like, it's too it was too good an offer and not everybody gets an offer to, to play for Ateneo to be in the lineup right away, right? Even if you don't get to play. So I yeah. thought it was too good an offer to pass up and I I took it and we won the next two years so so no regrets e- at all it's easier to be patient when you know you're playing for a program like let's say Ateneo because you know that the established program it's an established program you know the reputation is there but do you, would you understand why it might be harder for some players to be patient if they were playing for a program that hadn't achieved the success you guys did uh, yeah 100% you know players right now are so talented the kids coming up are so talented. So mm-hmm. I can't blame them for wanting to go and play right away because they're probably not even thinking about finishing their School. years in college. They're probably thinking about going to the PBA or playing abroad or something like that, right? So as a pro right now, I can't blame them. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, if you're able to provide for your family at a young age, you should do it. And if you have the talent to do it, you should do it. So if that means uh, sacrificing sacrificing a good offer because you want to play right away. I think kids kids should consider doing it. If wherever you you feel like you might have the best chance to go pro, if that's what you want to do, you should definitely take that route. And as as older as older statesmen, I don't think we can judge them because uh we don't know anyone's family situation. We don't know where they come from, what they what they want to do with their life. If they want to play here, let them play there. If they want to they want to play here that's not judging for that. So I'm just happy that people are getting to getting, getting the, having, having an avenue to express what they want to, what they do and transfer to a school where they can play right away. Good for them. That's good for them. What's your relationship with Kiefer? Like, because you guys really came up together in the high school rank and the, the college rank, and now you're both making names for yourself in the PBA. You as a champion with San Miguel, him as kind of like the go-to guy of NLEX. But there was also, I think, one time a game at Coneta where you hit him with a hard screen and it was a little physical and then people on the internet, you know, all this conspiracy theories. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, Vaughn's <laughs> taking out all these years of, like, you know, jealousy or something. And I was like, maybe not. Maybe they're just playing. But, yeah, I'm just curious. What's the relationship with Kiefer like right now? And how has it been over the years? Uh, it's cool, man. Uh, there's no, there's no. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not. We're not mad at each other or anything. We're cool. Yeah. We, we've we've been teammates with each other since grade school. Like mm-hmm. we, you can't take that away. I we we played in almost every league because we were born the same year. 
We played uh, Ateneo leagues, outside leagues, uh, for the RP national team, mm-hmm. under under 16, under 18, all these teams that uh, we could have played and we played in all of those leagues. So that's something you can never throw away. You know, it's it's all competition ever since. You know, we fought so many times in practice. It's, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, you know, I, I he would say something to me, I would say something to him. So what? Mm-hmm. After that, next next play. It's just in basketball, that, that's, it, ha- it happens, you know. You're, you're trying to compete, trying to win. Uh, th- things get things get said. People get hurt. It's move on to the next game, right? So right. we talk. We talk all the time in the bubble. We we see each other. We say hey, what's up. You know, in the games, you know, we 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 kind of you know just acknowledge each other. other. But it's cool, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm happy for him that he's he's getting to to show his real talent in NLEX. and uh, I know that uh, he he feels the same way about uh, where I am right now. Which one hurt? more or which one still gives you nightmares the most was it Aragas block against NU in 2014 or I'm sorry I have to ask this by the way but I really have to or was it Bellos game winner that ended your career in just like a heartbreaking note in 2015 like which one just when you think about it now just like really stinks the most man I knew you were going to ask this question <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this question I knew that. I knew uh, first. Uh, Save the best for last, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Right? Mac Bello, man, that mm-hmm. one hurt a lot because that was my last year too, and I literally saw the play happen between, be, like in front of my eyes. Because I remember distinctly, Adrian Wong got the fast break on the left side. I was on the right side. I thought he was going to pass me the ball, so I was getting ready to gather and go up strong and just. If I get fouled, I get fouled, you know. I'm, I was ready to... And he decided to take it all the way, which was still a good shot, but mm-hmm. he missed it. I remember just thinking, oh, man, I got to sprint back. And I, 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 I ran the fastest I could. I was sprinting back. And all I remember was that Mike, Mike crossed over somebody, laid it up, missed it, tip, tip, tip. I see... I, I, I'm between Raymo Jose and Matabello. Mm-hmm. And I chose to box out Jose instead of Bello. And the ball bounced Bello's way, and I saw it coming. I was like, oh, man. This oh, is over. no. It, it was like you over. knew it before it even happened. And I knew, I knew, I knew it because I had a choice uh, between boxing out Jose and Bello. Yeah. And I, I had a full sprint momentum. So I knew I could get one of them out the way. Right. But when I saw the ball kind of go back by this way, I kind of gave up on boxing out Jose. I was like, oh man, this is over. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's one of those things where I'll never forget no when matter you, what. <laughs> when you see Mac in the PBA during the games or in the bubble, does that topic <laughs> ever come up? Or is that like, yeah, it's too painful. We are never going to talk about this. Uh, Mac was my teammate in the in the Gilas C games. Yeah. Uh, so. And it, and it happened right after that season. And mm-hmm. I was teammates with Roger Pogoy, Mike Colombia, Jose, oh. and Bello. And I was the only guy there from Ateneo. So they're cool, though. We, we laugh about it. You know, yeah. they always, like, say stories about what they did. And they were, like, saying that, oh, we didn't want to make you... Every time you got the ball, we were doubling you and everything. And, and I was laughing because I, I knew that. It was all fun and games. So I'm friends with all of them right now. They're they're my guys. Um, right. Mac, Mac is such a nice guy. He oh he never brings it up, but I I I know for a fact that that's not good for him because 
just the way that the fashion that they beat us was crazy. Yeah, and what's what's crazy too is he did the same thing, but a three pointer to Lasalle the year before, Lasalle, right? Yeah. That that game against FEU, that was the first of two games, right? And I believe FEU had the twice to beat advantage. Correct, and yeah. you know, I'll never forget I, my prediction for the final four that year was for FEU to beat you guys in game one. But when I got to the arena, it was traffic going to the game that day. I'll never forget that day, never ever, just because of how it ended i was like wow you guys at the was outplaying feu like you guys had them on the ropes in game one and of course feu went on to win the championship that year but do you think if you guys had won that game one you would have had enough momentum to steal game two as well i'm biased man <laughs> I, still, I still think we should have won the championship man i still like i'm not the i'm not the correct person to ask because i feel like we should have beat them right and i feel like we should have won the championship so to answer your question, yeah, if we if we beat FU, we I think I would we would have beat them in game two, uh, but you know that's that's for I mean it's over now it's in the book so I don't know I don't know what we can do about it, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. but you know what for 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 fun I'll say we should have beat them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well before I let you go, I have to ask also four teams left in the bubble. You know, take everything into consideration. The lack of rest time recovery the bubble the games you know everything so from the four remaining teams i won't ask you to predict who will win i'll just ask you instead who do you think is the favorite or you know should be favored in either matchup whether it be the semis or the finals i think that Tenebra and talentex should is, is favored just because of the history they have of making the finals mm-hmm. um you know I, w- I don't want to take for granted uh, Phoenix and Morelco because they're, they're, they're the, the up-and-coming emerging teams, right? So uh, anything can happen in the bubble. You, you, we both know this. It's a different environment. So mm-hmm. you can't really like, just because one team A is stronger than team B doesn't mean that team, team A is going to make it to the finals, right? So, but I, I, I would say uh, just because of past experience with making the finals, Hennebra uh, and Tokentex have a good chance of making it. And, uh, one of those teams is going to win, I think. Hmm. Okay, and last question. Any word on when the next conference slash next season might be? What's going on? Do you guys know anything? No no word whatsoever, but I know for a fact that uh, they're going to wait till, they're going to wait until the government, they're going to be hand-in-hand with the government before anything happens because this bubble was also, it's kind of, they, they were waiting for instructions from the government for this to happen. So, I know that uh, there's there's that factor in it, and I'm just I'm just I I try I fully trust the PBA to make the right decision. I know that they're gonna give us a few months, maybe a few months before the next bubble or maybe next season will start. I have really really have no no idea. So uh, I'm like you, I'm waiting, uh, just waiting, waiting, um, trying to enjoy this off off time for a bit, then maybe get back to working out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure your fiancé and your family don't want you to go to any bubble anytime soon after how long you were gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah any, I have to ask also, any news when the big day is? You guys decided on that yet? N- not, nothing yet, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. We haven't talked about it. Um, just, I'm just happy to be back first. Try to enjoy this time first. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
Yeah, play a lot of 2K this time at home. <laughs> right, no, I can't, I, can't, I can't play by myself. I need to play with my teammates, man. <laughs> Keep the championship alive. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vaughn, this was really fun. I appreciate you taking the time out. Always a great conversation. And I'm sure you guys are going to bounce back whenever the PBA returns. Keep up the great work. Thank you, man. More, more power to you and your, uh, your podcast. I hope uh, people are, people that are listening now are subscribing and uh, continue to support him. Uh, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Please, please support San Miguel in the future, future conferences, and we'll, we'll be back stronger, guys. For sure, for sure. So that was it for episode with Vaughn. It's always an interesting conversation when he comes on. Definitely going to be even more interesting to watch how the rest of his PBA career progresses. Hopefully, we'll have him on again sometime in the future. If you have any comments or you want to interact about the episode you just listened to, feel free to reach out to me at Naveen Ganglani on Twitter or at ByNavsG on Instagram. And while you're at it, follow at Raptor Sports on Twitter too. If you're always looking for a good listen, a nice podcast to listen to while you're on a drive somewhere or just something fun to listen to, do listen to Rappler's podcast on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and on Apple Podcasts. All right. Until then, peace.